What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Ladies and gentlemen, it's always very, very special and an honor to have my comrade on the air and in the streets for so many years who has a brand new memoir out entitled Radioactive, a memoir of advocacy in action on the air and in the streets. The Black Eagle joins us, Joe Madison. Hey man, how are you? Um, well, I'm I'm fine. Appreciate this uh, oppor- opportunity, and um, and and I appreciate you. You know, I, I have to always say to people who are listening and watching, because you know, I always ask how that boy is doing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and 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 I just have to keep asking so that when he's in the in this first world series i'm looking for some <laughs> tickets man third baseline <laughs> well you know you got him you know you got him you always ask it about him and i and i appreciate yeah. that he's and he's, he's such a good kid he's such a good kid and uh, i know you're really proud of him he's so good i can't believe i can't believe i raised him you know i look i when i look at my uh my gaggle <laughs> of uh of children and people think this i'm crazy I, we we usually try to have um, uh, during birthday what we call birthday month. Some some of them are born October, June, or whatever, right. and we all get together for a meal. Um, and I just sit there and marvel at just how smart they are. And mm-hmm. and and uh, you know when I was their age, for the most part, you know I was. I mean they, they have traveled all over the world. Right. I, and I just sit there just listening, you know, that yeah. people say, oh, no, you couldn't possibly be. But yeah, no, I just sit there and listen to them because it, it is just they're just so so uh, so far ahead of where I was at a, at their age. Yeah. Yeah. And and it also shows, you know, w- with all that, you know, the work we've done as as parents. I mean, to me, that's the most rewarding thing. When you say, even with all the, the the causes we fought for, it's still most rewarding to see our children doing so well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, when you consider uh, when you consider what um, a lot of parents are going through, but you know, but I should point out, we're still very concerned because at any point in time, they still go through. Yeah. What other uh, what other young black men and women go through? Right. So I worry, right? Yeah. You know about when they get pulled over. Absolutely. I worry about uh, how they're impacted in this global economy. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, you 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 you've done the best that you you can, and you just have to put your faith in 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 in, in the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. Well, first of all. Uh, how's your health, man? You know, you just were on that big uh, hunger strike. Uh, yeah, seventy-four days. You know, you know, it's it, it's back to it's it's back to normal. Um, it, you know, I'm I'm not back to where I was. Uh, I don't necessarily think I want to get back there, but I'm I'm still very cautious uh, and about what I eat. Um, I still. Uh, I got in the habit after 74 days of, of eating broth and, and, and making smoothies. So I still do that. Uh, And, and I, and uh, you know, that's the one thing you, you learn. It had been a long time since I had done a hunger strike, as you know, with, with Dick uh, Gregory. And, and um, you know, the one thing he, he did teach us, was uh, you just don't jump back <laughs> into you know eating regularly, and hopefully there's a a, a consciousness that that uh, you develop. Uh, and uh, I do watch uh, my intake of sugar and fat and and that type of thing. 
So, but I'm, uh, but I'm okay. You know, I, I, I always answer that question and, and with, the, with this answer, it's not about my health. We really, as you know, Mark, uh, sh we really should be concerned about the health of the country. We should, that's what we, that, that is the real issue. What is the, the health of this country? When you look at the things we have to cover, the issues we have to educate people about, uh, when you look at uh, politically, when it comes to voter suppression, uh, you know, even like with uh, DeSantis forming a, uh, a special law enforcement agency to check voter fraud, which in, in Florida, which basically, uh, I said it the other day on the air, that goes back to what Hitler did in 1933. And, 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 and so it's the health of the country that I'm worried about and the health of uh, particularly of black folk who are becoming more and more politically active, especially the young people. And they're doing all they can to discourage and suppress um, uh, our vote because they know what's at stake. And, and so, um, so it's not about my health. It's really about the, the health of our community. Uh, you know, what happened in Michigan, um, what happened in Connecticut, um, you know, it's, 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 that's really where the attention should be. And, and, and on the point of voting rights, so, and, and then we will get into to the, the book particularly, but, uh, Joe, there's still a lot of frustration, a lot of demoralization, um, around the fact that the voting rights issue has still not really been solved. Um, we still, I mean, the, the bills that needed to be passed didn't happen. Joe Manchin right. blocked everything. What, what are your thoughts about that? And what are you saying to people? Because, you know, when I talk to a lot of the um, voter mobilization organizations that are still out here in the fight, you know, they're, they're having trouble motivating people because they feel like, well, you know, we, we fought for the Democrats to be in power and yet they did not, or they were not able, they were blocked from delivering protection for our voting rights. What, what are you What's your take on that, and what are you saying to your listeners? Well, what what I said after I, I, the, the, they weren't able to get Mansion and Cinema over, first thing was you had ninety percent of the Democrats that did the right thing, no ifs ands buts about it, and initially they had. Um, I have been in conversations with several. Uh, a Democratic senators that were on the fence about whether to change the filibuster. But all hell broke loose and, and they started changing one by one. So they would get into these caucus meetings and they started changing their vote, all of them but two, all of them but two. But not one, one single Republican would have the, the courage to stand up and protect our all right. So the 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 issue is, um, you know, 98% of the Democrats did, 0% of the Republicans did, number one. Number two, I think what happened was we woke up, and I wrote this, uh, I wrote about this, we woke up a sleeping giant, and that was the young people. Most of them didn't know how the Senate worked. We knew. They didn't know about filibustering. We knew, and, and they ended up realizing uh, the, the process that you had to go through to get this legislation passed. And many of them committed themselves. And, and so we're now talking about mobilizing. Um, I was with um, Nancy Pelosi and a group of members of, uh, of, of the House of Representatives and Nancy Pelosi said something that I, I, I want us to think about. She said, you know, and this was in the passage of the Willie Lynch anti-lynching bill. Um, she said, in Congress, we maneuver. That's what we do. We maneuver. We maneuver for this vote, that vote. But what y'all did to get the anti-lynching bill passed was you mobilized. And that's what we do. We mobilize. So the frustration, I'm with you. 
why, why, why is it taking so long to get everybody together, not wait until September or October, but start mobilizing now? Now, we, we have heard from, we know that uh, uh, Reverend Barber is putting a piece to, together. And, and so my argument, and you know, I'm, I'm from the Dick Gregory School, I'm telling y'all, check your leadership egos at the door. You know, you know, you do like Quincy Jones did with We Are The World. There's a bunch of talented people. They all were major stars. Okay, I know y'all are leaders. I understand that. But check your, your, your leadership uh, institutional egos at the door and, you know, find a corner somewhere in America, get your heads together and, and put together what I would call uh, a Freedom Summer. Freedom Summer too. I remember, free, I'm not old enough to have participated, but you remember when the students went down to Freedom Summer in Mississippi? Those are students. They mobilized. And, and, and so that's really what this is all about. It's really Freedom Summer. And that's what this summer ought to be about. Finance it, organize it, and then, and then get, your, you, you, get your butts out in the street and, and, uh, and, and um, get people registered educate them on the issues. And Lord knows we've got issues that you can mobilize people around. That's right, that's what, that's what has to be done. It really does. And, 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 and I, I'll say to some of the, I'll say to the young folk out there, um, you don't have to wait, us, wait, up, wait, wait on us old heads <laughs> to do that. You know, uh, you know young people, let me tell you, young people mobilized to get that anti-lynching bill passed. They were the ones that used their internet and their social media. Yeah, and um, and that's what I'm hoping uh, will happen. I'm hoping they're listening and hearing this discussion we're having. Yeah, no, it, that's exactly what has to happen. The book is radioactive. So, Joe, when did the bug for activism first bite you in college um um uh, and, and this was the late the late 60s um you know um uh, malcolm had been assassinated before i actually got into college uh the civil rights movement was something that was always in 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 front of us the assassination of uh, of martin luther king while I was in college, uh, the Vietnam War protest, uh, and directly uh, in college at a uh, state college in, in uh, Wisconsin, where the, the black students were trying to establish a black history uh, course, just one black history course. And, and we met with terrible opposition. Um, and then, of course, even after we were at success, and, and there was another thing. We were trying to get a, a, a black, um, what was it, a black center, a black cultural center. Now, they had Jewish cultural center. Uh, they had other cultural centers, but we wanted a black cultural center, and we had to go to the Board of Regents to protest. We had to march and demonstrate. We had to fight the administration. Um, and then even when uh, a few years later, we were successful um, across the country. And this was happening not just in my, at where I was in Wisconsin, but it was happening all over the country. Um, <laughs> there was a, a group of uh, football players. I can't think of the university. Was it Wyoming? These were top rate scholar athletes who had been asked by the black students on campus because they were athletes and well-known to please get involved in the, in the effort to, uh, to, in the movement. And all the athletes decided to do, these are football players, was to wear black armbands in solidarity. The coach said, 
if they wore those black armbands, he would kick them off the football team. He would take their scholarships away from them. They didn't. He took every one of their scholarships. They all had to go off to different colleges. Now, the, the, the team ended up having a losing season because of it. Um, I was talking to a fellow colleague of ours, Russ Parr, who is with Radio One. Um, and Russ Parr, when he read the book, he said, you know, we have something in common. I was, my, I was a star quarterback on my high school team, and my coach kicked me off the team because he wouldn't cut his afro. And so that's what we, that's, that's how I got the, the uh, that's how I got the bug. And I realized that I was part of a movement, but I also realized that all movements require sacrifice. Matter of fact, there's a whole, there's a chapter on just that very uh, statement. You, you, there's a difference between a moment and a movement. And what's the difference? Sacrifice. All movements require sacrifice. So what happened to me? I got kicked off the football team. I got kicked off the football team. And I was captain of an undefeated freshman team. Never in the history of the school had they had, and, and it hasn't happened since. And the, and the varsity coach sent me a letter in the middle of the summer, basically saying, don't report to practice because you're off the team because we don't want your kind on the team. Well, you know, that door shut. Uh, high school coach, Mr. Marquette, I always remember him. He, he said, you know what? Uh, don't worry. Uh, and, they, and that's how I ended up at Washington University with a, a, a football coach that was just, you know, he understood what needed to be done. He, he wanted me on the team and I ended up with the best possible education that, uh, that I could possibly get. So um, it all, and I write about it. All the, all the chapters in the book, Mark, are relatively short chapters. Uh, you know, they're, they're not these 100 page <laughs> chapters because I wanted people to hear it in, in my voice. And, and it's an incredible story, a powerful story. You, you finished Washington and then you went on to Detroit and the NAACP. Uh, and and you, you cut a lot of, of your political teeth there too, didn't you? Oh, Lord, yes. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> you were the youngest. What? I'm sorry. You were the youngest executive secretary. Was that at the time? I was 24 years old, and uh, and I was at the time uh, the the youngest uh, executive uh, secretary. You know, they called them executive secretaries then, uh, but you ran the branch, and um, and and I got to tell you the, the when you say cut your teeth, I, I got a better. Uh, 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 explanation it was a baptism of fire. <laughs> Man, I mean, and, and it's funny. Uh, I mean, and, 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 and most of these folk were, somebody pulled me aside and said that uh, most of these people on the board, they, they were about the average age of 64. Man, they had been through union fights. Uh, they had been through the uh, political fights, the election of uh, Coleman Young. Uh, and they would give me hell. I mean, nobody gave you permission to do this. You need to get permission to do that. And um, uh, and then somebody, one of the older guys pulled me aside and said, look, you know, it's not that they don't like you. Uh, some of them don't, uh, but, the, it, it's, but let me tell you, they wouldn't tolerate you if they didn't think you had something going for you, if they didn't think you had potential. And, and you have to keep in mind, some of these old heads <laughs> wouldn't give their children, their grown, their grown children, the keys to their car, let alone the keys to the largest NAACP chapter <laughs> in the country. And so, you know, you're going to catch hell, uh, but they, 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 they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't tolerate you if they thought it was a waste of time. And as the decades went by, 
um, I would run into, and these were these men were much older elders, and I thought they didn't like me. Um, and and I'd see them years later, and they would, oh man, we just love you, young. Oh brother, oh man, it's so good to see you, and oh you know the that you know and i my wife would always say sherry would always say wait a minute is that the same judge that was giving you hell uh 10 years ago or 20 years ago i said yeah well where well, what changed let, let me give you an example um rosa parks who would listen to the show and a guy named art featherstone well really we got we were really upset because the city of dearborn which was the home of ford motor company uh, introduced uh, and passed an ordinance, a local ordinance, saying that if you weren't a resident of the city of Dearborn, you could not use their parks. Now, Dearborn and and Detroit are as close to each other as we are now. <laughs> you know, just cross the street, and that. And so we decided to boycott every business in Dearborn. They had a huge regional mall. And, uh, and and black folk were spending their money out there. So uh, so during the, just before the, what they now call, uh, what is it, Black Friday, we decided black to boycott. Friday. And we ended up calling on the boycott, calling the boycott. And, and there was a spontaneous reaction because Dearborn had this history. One, less than 1% black folk. And um, all hell broke loose. Henry Ford picked up the phone, called the mayor, called a federal judge, called a local. He called every black leader that he had in his Rolodex and, and, and said, who in the hell is this young guy calling a boycott of my city, yada, yada, yada. Well, the next day, actually Black Friday, 70% of the black folks stopped shopping in Dearborn. And what happened? They, they these, these black folk leaders jumped me. They jumped me. And, and Coleman Young, and, and I write about this in the book, we, there was a meeting. It was a Saturday morning. And I found out that they've been having these kitchen cabinet Saturday morning meetings to discuss all kinds of issues. And they, they wanted me at the meeting. Command performance. You, you know, so I go and I'm going, wow, man, here's this leader, that leader. And you know, if I mention their names, you know, I'm not going to because they're no longer here to defend themselves. And Coleman Young said, you should have got permission from me to call a boycott of Dearborn. And I naively said, I don't need your permission because I'm running NACP. I don't need your permission to call a boycott. And he looked me in the eye and said, young man, you need my permission to fart in this city. Now, I like you. <laughs> and you remind me <laughs> of myself when I was your age. Now we're gonna to have to figure this out because you got Henry Ford calling me and I got business. I got a builder and they're building the Renaissance Center. He's a big contributor to the NACP Freedom Fund Dinner. And so we got to figure it out. But you know what? They did figure it out. So they figured it out that they would get the mayor of Dearborn to rescind the ordinance and take the take it to court in the Michigan Supreme Court. And they did. And we won in the court. And and the and the fun part of it, Mark, was the Detroit Free Press had Art Featherstone and myself. I don't think Rosa was in the picture. On the front page of the uh, on the front page of the Detroit Free Press, we won, we won, and um, and 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 that's the kind of thing, you know. A lot of folks don't realize 
that you go through. Um, and, and, you know, so they are all kind of stories like that. And that's dude. You had to pay those dues. That was that dues paying, you know, I, I, mean? I, I guess that's, you know what, you're right. You know, it's been a long time since, you know, Mark, it's been a long time since I've heard that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. You had to pay your dues. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. 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 And especially with the elders like that. I mean, we were oh, in that position. And, and, yeah. and by, but, you know, they came through some hell of struggles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they, I mean, these guys, there were some folks who were pro UAW in Detroit. Right. right. And there were some folks who were pro Ford Motor Company, Henry Ford. And, and by the way, they weren't speaking to each other. It, it, it's been, wait a minute, it's been 30, 40 years. They still, they don't, they didn't speak to, well, they spoke to each other, but they didn't trust each other. Right. So one guy, the UAW, the union folk would pull me aside and say, you can't trust them Henry Ford folk. And then the Henry Ford people would pull me aside and say, well, you can't trust them. You ain't yeah, right. right. And churches right. were divided. Yeah. They had churches that were divided. Yeah. Yeah. And to be a young activist trying to oh. navigate through all of that. Oh. Uh, uh, but it's funny, the generational thing. I just say this quickly. I, I had a, an almost identical um, scenario with Marion Barry when I was in my 20s. And he's like, no, 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 you have to come through me. And he said the same thing. He said, you remind me of myself. And uh, so, yeah, those are the things that, that, that you know, you have to go through. But it's generational, even with the NAACP, oh, the God, NAACP. Yeah. And, you know, that's our organization and we love it. <clears throat> but it's it's uh, what's the word? It's it's attrition, so to speak, is usually with the elders. And young people come through and there's just always this historical tension between the younger folk and the older folk in NAACP and a lot of folk in the leadership who sustain the organization are older. And so when the young folk come, it's it's a, it's, a, it's an ongoing type of a thing. And somehow we figure it out and, and we make it. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And, and but now when you were in Detroit and you were organizing and, and executive secretary, that's when. Uh, well, I know you, you did radio in college, too. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, somebody bring, brought that up. But it was a uh, it was a station that didn't have. I mean, you couldn't. It had so little power. You couldn't. You couldn't light a lamp. Yeah. But you know, yeah. it was it was a campus uh, a station. Yeah. And and so, but now, but then you went on uh, WCHB, big black right. station in in Detroit. Right. It was and, a public affairs show. Yes. Right. And on that station, you were able, and and that's how you know people like us have always been able to to use radio, not just, you know, to talk, but to mobilize and to inform and to get people going. And that's what you were doing on WCHB, really, with some of the NAACP work, right? Yeah, we had a w, uh, uh, the, the, the station, thank God, it was owned by uh, uh, two doctors. One was a dentist and, and uh, one and, and a businessman and WCHB. And they owned uh, a local AM station. That was when AM was hot. They also owned a jazz station. Uh, but they they uh, made sure that the NACP had a weekend public affairs show. And the executive uh, director, the executive secretary, myself, that was my responsibility, was to produce that show, bring on the guests. And you're absolutely right. It, it was to to uh, uh, to inform and mobilize, but they would also do that. Those are the days when uh, you could go into the morning show uh, with there was a guy named Butterball Jr. Wade Briggs, and he was a popular morning show host. And and literally, you could go to the station, and in between records. Uh, you know, Mark and Mark Thomas is in the in hey, is in the studio, brother man. What's going on? Well, I'm here to tell you about we got this rally being planned. Madison's in the studio, and and that's how the, and they and they would provide that information in between spinning records, and that's that was their mission. 
That was their mission. So you got a little bit of music, a little bit of entertainment, but at the same time, the community uh, through the broadcasters and the platform were informed about what was going on. That was that was always, always, and that's it's you changed. know. I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah. words out of my mouth. I mean, what we gained from you know syndicated black radio, we also lost in terms of that local flair. I mean, just to even break this down, and you probably remember this when 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 WOL was on Fourth and H, um, and we had the big picture window out there. Somebody call in during the show and say their car was stolen. We go on the radio and find a car. We have people look out for this car, y'all. <laughs> this, this, this is a license plate. Miss Mamie's car was stolen. And everybody in the community be riding around town. They would find that car. I mean, so that's the only thing that, that's the kind of thing, unfortunately, that we lost in 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 it moving to syndication and, and the way radio is, is structured Mark, uh, these days. You know? Mark, let, let me tell you. Let me tell you. you this, is, this is a true story. True story. And I think it, I got to go back. I think I was in the book because a lot of things I, 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 I but let, let me tell you. Rosa Parks had been in an accident. Um, and a lot of people don't know she was a receptionist for John Congress. Most, most people, they know Rosa Parks today. Most people had forgotten Rosa Parks. Now that's, that's some, that's a whole nother story. She had been in an, an accident. So a group of us uh, decided to buy Rosa Parks a new car. A young uh, car dealer who was from India owned a Buick dealership. And he cut us a deal where we could get a car, brand new rose colored Buick. Uh, and, you know, and, and we had to raise a certain amount of money and we did. And we presented the car to Rosa Parks on stage at a, at a fundraiser event. And then, hold on. So uh, was it a few weeks, maybe months later? I don't know the time frame. Somebody stole Rosa Parks' car. I'm not kidding you. Stole, man, I went over to Butterball Jr., <laughs> got on the air and said, somebody has stolen Rosa Parks' car. Before the lunchtime, that car was parked with the keys. <laughs> I'm not- That's right, is, that's I, right. With the car in it, with the keys, I'm sorry, with the keys in the car. I mean, and again, that's why I wanted to write the book. Because, you know, if people, <laughs> Yeah, people need to, but you hit it. I mean, that's exactly what how we how broadcasting worked, how we yeah. mobilized. That's a, and that's a true story. The keys were parked. I don't know. Where, remember if it was in front of her apartment or where, but the keys were in the car. Found, <laughs> yeah, found the car, and that's something. Now, and and obviously, all the work that you know you've done, you also did not leave out your regard and your commitment to where we all come from, Africa. And you, you know, you did a lot of great work when it comes to the struggle in Sudan and still are. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is, a, you, you were with us when, I mean, right now in, in Sudan, uh, and this is why it bothers me. I, I understand all the attention about Ukraine. I really, and, that, and that's, that's the humanitarian in me. I recognize that. But right now as we speak, um, you know, 70% of the population in Southern Sudan is starving right now, 70%. And, and there's hardly, I don't think I've seen a single story on any of the networks. Now you did something, thank God wrote you and April, Ryan and and, and Roland Martin. Um, and I had folks that I had worked with during the Darfur uh, struggles uh, who called me and said, Joe, please, you've got to get 
some attention. 70% of my people are, are, are actually, and I'm not making, this is not hyperbole, are actually starving to death, not enough food to, uh, to, uh, to eat. But I got involved because, uh, I, again, I was on the air. Uh, a group out of Switzerland said, we have got to get black folk, African-Americans, to know what's going on because nobody knew it was going on. And this was during their civil war. Now, this is before George Clooney got involved. Thank God he did. Uh, and my, I, and so they said, please come to, uh, come with us. But, but now we need to tell you, there's a war going on and this war has been going on for 25 years. And, and this is going to be a very dangerous trip. Uh, and cause you're going to go into a war zone. You're going to sleep in, in tents in the brush. Um, and, and, um, uh, I decided to do it. And then I realized, and then what I, what, what I write about is how they were taking women and children slaves and literally, literally selling these people into slavery. And uh, so I, I, I went back and forth probably about six times, came back to the United States, raised money uh, to do this, to actually buy these slaves and then free them. And what happened, we had to get uh, Sudanese to pretend that they were buying slaves for, for, their, for their purpose. And um, uh, I, can, I always remember that a goat in Southern Sudan cost more than a woman. Um, or a child, and um, uh, I and and the horror stories of um, how one I met a, a, a southern Sudanese woman. I think she was Dinka, and she was forced to give birth in a goat pen. She actually a child was born in a goat pen. Now I understood the the the, the risk. Uh, and the the debate between Muslims and the, and and most of the Dinkas were Christians, and the Nation of Islam was not happy, and uh, and I understood it, but that was just the the sacrifice I I had to make, and I was I was not going to uh, let that bother me, um, and um, and 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 so we we ended up freeing over 7,000 slaves and returning them to their, uh, to their villages. Uh, and then of course, um, South Sudan became, South Sudan became a, uh, excuse me, um, had to put the power in. South Sudan became a, uh, a country, which is now the youngest country on the, on the continent of Africa. Folks, the book is Radioactive, uh, a memoir of advocacy in action on the air and in the streets. You all always hear me say is difference between talk radio and do radio. And, <laughs> Madison, and, and, and that's what Joe Madison has always done. That's what we both always try to do. And that's what black radio calls for, really. All. We, it's just, we just can't sit around and talk. We've always had to use well, these yeah, platforms. Yeah. And, and this was and it was it was never about, you know, person, you know, the personality, you know, Joe and I, you know, when Rush Limbaugh was alive, he'd go and talk on the air four or five hours a day and just talk about himself, talk to himself, promote himself. But in our community, it just was not possible to do. We weren't interested in that anyway. Um, and Joe has been doing just that all his life, all his broadcast career. You know, and you, you remember we, Artie Elliott. You remember how we remember Artie Elliott? We marched. We, did, we marched. We sure did. Uh, this is why. That was what. That was what. A twenty-six mile march. That, that was, and, and this is a young man coming home from work, going to his mother's house, and on. I think, and and she, uh, and he gets he gets pulled he gets pulled over by police wearing uh, shorts. I don't even think he had a shirt on, and I don't know why they arrested. They stopped him, uh, and, and handcuffed him behind his back, strapped him in the front seat of a police car. 
and shot him 14 times. And 14 times while he's, you know, handcuffed and strapped in. And both of those police officers, by the way, were African-American. That's right. That's both right. of them were. And we, we marched marked. on 26 miles. That's right. Uh, to get the, to try to get a special prosecutor. Right, right. To retry uh, these uh, these uh, police officers or to at least open the, the uh of uh, the case again. Um, you know, I and, feel that yeah. arch in my bones cause, and in my skin. That is the first time in my life I was ever sunburned. <laughs> I, I, I got sunburned on him. I know what sunburn was. And you know, but I, nobody was putting nothing on to protect themselves. I got sunburn in my, and I, now that we're talking about it, I can actually feel the sunburn. I was <laughs> 26 miles. And then I remember the CIA crack cocaine conspiracy. Oh, and oh, all that man. we did with with Dick Gregory and going to jail at the CIA. And, oh, absolutely! And, and the DEA. Yeah. I thought I thought they were gonna kill us at the DEA, though. Joe. Well, it, you know, um, <laughs> I I I always yeah I did too, uh, but I always remember and that one was they, a little different. That was a little they, different. They separated. <laughs> they separated you, Joe Lar, and myself. Put us in with the general population. And these guys are looking at us wondering, well, what they, and, and had to lock us in the cell and took Dick off to some, yeah, I'm going to tell on him, took him off to some exclusive uh, lockup. And then the next morning, everybody, we're frog walk, handcuffed, uh, go to, 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 to be in, you know, to go before the judge. We go past this this area where Dick is, and it's damn near like a, a a den. It's got a flat screen TV, basketball court on the outside, and we're all worried, thinking they done took Dick off someplace to who knows what. And and Dick Dick is sitting there smiling, <laughs> and then he and and so Joe Laurie just cut on Dick. Joe Laurie just said, well, I'll be damned. He was mad. We're we sitting up here worrying all about you, and you sitting up here in a luxurious cell, right, pe- right. you know, w- wood right. panel. Right. That's where right. they put the, the celebrities. And and Dick, Dick said, well, you Negroes didn't get that pizza I sent down there to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, Joe was angry because Dick kind of tricked us. The plan was not necessarily to get arrested that day. We went to the DA. And the reason I thought we were all goners was because when we got there, remember we had Celerino Castillo with us. He was one of the people who was flying the planes. He was DEA, right? Right. And we had, we had been to the National Press Club first and he had paperwork. He had flight manifests. That's right. But we got there and he put the flight manifest in the face, like right up in the man's face, y'all, the head of the DEA security. I said, wait a minute, this is a little different right here. This, this, they're not gonna treat this <laughs> like nothing else. He was one of theirs. They took him, then sent the media away. I said, Dick, usually when they send the media away, they don't want them to see the media shoot us. Uh, <laughs> and they put up a perimeter. <laughs> and Joe said, wait a minute, I got a flight out of National at four o'clock. <laughs> and Dick said, you ain't going out of there today. And uh, yeah, we we thought we were we were done. Then I said, like, I think this is it. Right here. We got on our knees and prayed. I see. I think this might be. The, and then you know what? I was saying this to Dick before he died. You know what, Joe? We never saw Celerino Castillo again. Think about that. When's the last time you ever saw We never saw him after that day. I don't know where he is. Don't no. know what happened to him. We never saw know. that brother again. Yeah, you know? I, I really don't know. I know when I know that Dick and I got arrested at the CIA. Uh, we got arrested there a couple of times. And up to the point where they really got serious with us, and they well, they were very serious. But um, they went, they we went before the the judge, and the judge told our attorneys that uh, look, if y'all keep this getting arrested and, and and coming out here to the CIA gate, tell you the next time we're gonna put you and Dick. Uh, they told Joe and Dick, we're gonna put y'all in jail for a year. So y'all cut it. Y'all make a cut a deal, uh-huh. and uh, do what you got to do. But you know, if you come back out here one more time, hmm. we went out there, and, and, and Mark, <laughs> Dick Gregory, Dick Gregory uh, had asked me to get a crime tape. You know, the yellow crime tape. 
Crab table, right. Put so, the crab table, right. <laughs> and said, let's wrap it around the front gate of the CIA. Right, right. Oh, okay. So they still wouldn't arrest us. And they were just going to wait us out till it got dark. Yeah. And then he's, he's, he, he had already, and he was always thinking. He said, you remember I told you to get a, a, some flour, a bag of flour. I said, yeah, good. Uh, go back to the car, get this bag of flour. And he and, he and I went up to the gate and, and dumped the flour in front of the CIA gate. Man, they ended up bringing dogs out. I guess to check to see if it was cocaine or drugs, whatever. And Dick cracked on them. And Dick turned around and said, them dogs are not going to be able to make nothing out of that but biscuits. And I, I mean, and and then it was like, no, y'all, you, you Negroes are going to jail, <laughs> you know. And uh, and and and, but I learned so much from him. Uh, and the most important thing I learned, and you learned, is not to be afraid. Dick said that all the time. Fear, God and fear, you know, can't occupy the same space, no more than light and darkness. No, you're right. And that's what that's what I really learned from him. Yeah. Is 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 to put cast fear aside. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Folks, a, a sterling career. Folks, we're having this conversation. The book is published. We must as a people tell our own stories. Nobody's going to tell these okay. stories for us. Yeah. So what Joe is not, it's not just, it's not just Joe doing this for himself either. You know, people have been after me, when are you going to write a book? And, and after a while it becomes dereliction of duty because white folks ain't going to write, write our stories. These stories need to be written, especially now at this time when they're being there, people are attacked using CRT to attack learning, to attack knowledge, to attack black history. It's like we're going back to the days when they didn't want us to read. So, folks, get the book. It's available everywhere. Share the story. Share the story with young people. We got to go back to the way we used to do it. If our schools yeah. don't want to teach us these stories, yeah. we have to teach them in our churches. We're to teach yeah. them Saturday morning at home. And we have to do we have to do more reading. So, folks, yeah. it's available everywhere. Radioactive, a memoir of advocacy yeah. in action on the air and in the street. Yeah. And Mark, I so I so appreciate it. And and it's it's not, you know, like I said, it's not a 500 uh, page book. It, it you know, we it's a we we deliberately I deliberately wanted it to right. be uh, a book that in a week you could you could read it. And and, well, and what do you again, like to say put it where the ghosts can get it? Yeah, and and by the way, you know, it, it there as you know, there people think they know us. They know mm -hmm. us as broadcasters. They know right. us as as we were. I go back to being abandoned by my mother at the age of two. That's right. That's right. You know, and thinking and working on a let me tell you, working on a dump. Yeah. What we now call landfill. Yeah. With my grandfather. That's so right. you so wait a minute. So Joe Madison writes about working on a dump That's in right. the summer. And then wait a minute. And then there's a chapter about interviewing the first black president yeah. in the Oval Office. To go from that to that, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you go from a, working on the landfill and at the age of 10, 11, whatever, and to interviewing Barack Obama. It, so it, it's the, the story, it's not where you've come from, it's the journey. Right. And, and that's basically what I basically try to put the book together with Dr. Canton. Here's the journey on air and in the streets. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, 
Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Yeah, yeah. And and that is your tra- tra- trajectory of our struggle. Katanji Brown Jackson said it best to from in one generation to have gone from segregation to the Supreme Court. That is our experience here in America. That's right. And it is a compelling story. And we would be remiss if we did not say we, you know, we witnessed Joe learn who his real father was on television. Yeah. Um, and listen, all of just us a, just a couple stuff. of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this didn't happen when I was in my 20s and 30s or a teenager. No, I'm 70 some years old. And I find out uh, the man you thought was your father all your life. Um, he is my father. He will be my father. But he's not your biological father. And I got two brothers. Mm. I got two. Mm-hmm. One of them I grew up with. <laughs> and they yeah, know I, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, folks, uh, um, you know, we talk about the Sankofa bird. Go back and fetch it. The Black Eagle is giving us an opportunity to go back and fetch some of this history as well uh, and to learn about his story. And so, folks, do check it out. Once again, Radioactive, a memoir of advocacy and action on the air and in the streets. The great Joe Madison. Joe, always a pleasure to have you on Make It Plain, brother. My best to you and your, and your family. And, and yours, too. And, and again, you tell that young man of yours, <laughs> don't, you know, he, I'm looking for them third baseline tickets. <laughs> you have them. All right. Yeah. God bless. And thank you, Mark, for, for this. And just go to Amazon.com or JoeMadison.com and the book. Uh, and, and, and let me know how you think, of, you know, what, what people think of it. We'd appreciate all the feedback. Appreciate it. Thank you, Joe. Okay. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.